0: Please be seated. Well, it's a great pleasure to be back here with you all today and back on our lectionary track. I want to ask you all a question to start with. How many of all have ever been in a boat? Almost everybody's been in a boat. All right, hands down, hands up. How many of you all have ever been on a cruise ship? Big cruise ship. All right, hands down. Small cruise ship. A few of you, good. All right. So I want to tell you about my favorite boating experience of all time. Um, It's been a while, but I had the privilege to sail with my friend Bob Green, uh, who was a retired priest, on a small uh, boat cruise out of Seattle up the Puget Sound. For those of you who don't know where that is, Washington State. We went up from Seattle all the way up to um, Vancouver and Victoria We stopped at a few places in Washington State. It was beautiful. And the great thing about this particular adventure is that Bob and I knew that we were choosing a smaller boat, so there was less noise. We were choosing intentionally a very beautiful place, part of the world, to go. We had some very fun excursions. And we basically knew that all we had to do was to get ourselves onto the boat, and then the crew was going to take care of the rest. Right? They sailed the ship. They got us from destination to destination. They fed us our meals. They cleaned up after us. It was wonderful. It was a great cruise and a very special time with a dear friend. Very occasionally, the Christian life is like that. We get on Christ's boat. The itinerary is chosen for us, and it's smooth sailing. But much more often, our experience traveling with Jesus is a lot like the disciples experienced today. So we're in a, in a, in back in the lectionary. We've been in Galatians for a while, but our lectionary is doing a little funky thing towards the end of the summer. You know, we're on a three-year cycle. Matthew, Mark, and Luke guide our gospel passages. But if you paid attention, we're in John chapter 6 today. And because John doesn't have his own year, we're going to give John about a month and a half. We're going to be in chapter 6 from now until the end of August. Um, very similar to what's happening in Mark. They almost parallel. There's some few differences. And today we're blessed to hear that, that great story of the feeding of the 5,000, and the events that kind of surround that. So here's what's going on. Jesus and his disciples are gathering large crowds wherever they go. Jesus is healing, and he's teaching, and he's doing signs and wonders, and everybody wants to be a part of that. And Jesus often does. He he tries to find a way for he and his disciples to kind of get away by themselves. And so they go to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and they're trying to find some place to kind of be alone, but they're not able to. A large crowd kind of follows them around. You can imagine this crowd kind of marching around the sea. And when they approach, Jesus always has compassion on the crowd that's gathered. And he, he tests his disciple Philip by saying, Philip, I want you to give them something to eat. And Philip's kind of like, there's like 5,000 people. How am I supposed to feed 5,000 know, people? There's, no, there's not enough money. We can't do it. Where will we even buy it? Um, but Andrew knows about this boy. He's got five loaves and two fish. This is a familiar story. And so Jesus, foreshadowing what we're about to do in the Eucharist, he takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. All right? Take, bless, break, and give. That's what we do in the Eucharist. That's what Jesus did. That's what's done to us so we can go into the world. He does that, and everybody is fed. It's it's a miraculous thing, and 12 baskets are filled up. There's there's leftovers. And then the story continues. Jesus goes away, as was his original intention, after the people are fed, to spend time with God in prayer and to be refreshed. It's really important that we remember Jesus' model to do that. And while he's doing that, the disciples, for some reason, of their own accord, it seems like, get into a boat and start to row across the Sea of Galilee, up to Capernaum, which is in the northern part. Now, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long and about 8 miles wide at its widest places. So if they're coming from the eastern shore and going north or vice versa, however you are situated out there, um, let's say they're about halfway. They've gone three or four miles. Um, I like to think they're about halfway. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus walking on the water next to them. Now, before they see Jesus... A storm kind of has stirred up, and they're in the boat, and they're, you know, they're a little afraid. They're doing their best to, to get across. But as soon as they see Jesus and go to take him into the boat, they're immediately at their destination. This is an incredible story. Right, we might miss this in the feeding of the 5,000. This incredible thing is happening on a boat. Now, boats or, or ships are important vehicles, Um, in the Christian life, not only for transportation, but also in our storytelling. Remember all of the important stories of Scripture that have to do with the sea and with ships. Remember Noah and the ark. Remember Paul's shipwreck. Remember Jesus walking on the water a couple of different times. The great Leviathan, that sea monster that comes up in the book of Psalms. Ships are important in the church today. Um, The Latin word for ship, navis, is where we get the word nave from. Um, and it means, a nave is usually what we call the main part of a church, and it refers to the hull, the bottom of a ship. If it's turned up like this and put up, that usually is what the roof of a church looks like. So um, we still use that language. Sometimes you might even hear people refer to Christ as their captain. Um, those kind, that kind of language we continue to use today. Well, the vehicle for Jesus's Communication and his message in John chapter 6 is a boat, and it's a boat filled with people who love Jesus. It's a boat filled with people who, at times, are afraid, but who are willing to travel where he leads them. They run into these rough waters, and as soon as they take Jesus on to be their companion, immediately, they're safe on the other shore. See, once we invite Jesus to be our companion, we can arrive at the destination where we're meant to be, and we can be safe, no longer afraid. That word companion literally means the one with whom we share bread. Jesus is the bread of life. He is manna from heaven. He is to be our companion in the way. It's pretty much the point, I think, of these two stories as they're back-to-back together, The only way that we can really get through this life successfully without fear or being overcome by adversity, the storms that life has for us, is to first take the route that our Lord shows us to remember that we can't get from here to there on our own, but that we need His help. And secondly, that we trust in Jesus and His providence, that we carry Him with us as our companion everywhere we go. Always remember in these stories that the importance of Jesus taking that time to go off by himself to pray, to be recharged, rejuvenated. I wonder what our lives would look like if each and every day we found time to go off by ourselves with our Lord, to be refreshed in Jesus' presence. Jesus is able to feed 5,000 people with, two lo- with five loaves and two fish. Imagine imagine what Jesus could do with all of the resources we have. When you spend that time alone with Jesus, you are for sure to be encouraged in the knowledge that not only do you have enough, but that you yourselves are enough. If we would simply walk with Jesus as our companion, we could, with all the resources God has given us, change this world. Once we trust in the Lord, once we're willing to take him in the boat with us, once we're willing to get in the boat with Jesus, we will find ourselves safely on that other shore, no longer in fear or concern for the storms of life, but trusting in God's providence. So my brothers and sisters, this week, I encourage you to get in the boat, go with Jesus, find that abandoned place, withdraw, be refreshed, be energized, And trust that not only are you enough, but that you have enough to do anything that Jesus is calling to you. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the stories of the feeding of the 5,000 and of the disciples and their journey with Jesus in the boat. Let us be comforted by his words. Do not be afraid. Let us trust in his companionship in our lives. Let us rely on him for our daily bread. Help us to remember that we are enough. With Jesus as our companion, we can do all the things that you are calling us to do in this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.